Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by Connecticut Energy and Environmental Protection Commissioner Katie Dykes, Laura Francis, the first selectman of Durham, and Matt Knickerbocker, the first selectman of Bethel. Good morning to all of you. Good morning. Good morning. And we are talking trash this morning. Connecticut is facing what many have called a waste crisis in the coming years. And we will start with the commissioner to explain what's going on. Commissioner Dykes, how much of this has to do with the impending closure of the trash burning plant in Hartford? Well, that's one piece of it, Aaron. Thanks so much for having us on. And it's really important to have these opportunities to talk with folks about what what's happening. You know, when you wheel your, your trash bin out to the curb uh, every week, you, you just might not be thinking much or be aware of where that trash is going and importantly, how much it's costing now uh, municipalities to um, manage trash disposal. But the, the the unfortunate news is that some of the uh, traditional solutions that we've relied on for the last few decades to manage our trash disposal are becoming more and more expensive or unavailable. So the, the Mira uh, facility um, is one example, an important uh, example of, of that trend, um, but it's not uh, limited just to the Mira facility. For folks who may be unaware, the Mira facility, this is the lar- uh, one of the largest waste to energy facilities. It's located in Hartford and um, it's uh, you know getting older. Uh, it was built several decades ago. Um, it manages uh, historically about a third uh, of the waste uh, that's thrown away in our state. And, but the facility has, you know, uh, aged and become um, much more uh, costly to operate. It's, it's in need of very uh, expensive upgrades that uh, uh, I think from the Lamont administration's standpoint, we're just 
you know, to, we didn't have the the dollars really um, available to to make those very large investments, and so um, it's possible we're going to see that facility shut down um, in the coming years. Um, that means that more municipalities, uh, you know, are resorting to uh, sending waste out of state um, to to landfills out of, out of state. We've already seen that uh, increase from uh, about. Uh, 30,000, you know, a, a significant increase in the percentage of, of towns that are sending waste out of state already. Uh, both of these options are, you know, can be expensive. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, you know, landfilling out of state, it's not preferable and it's not going to be sustainable either from an environmental or an economic standpoint, because many of the landfills in the Northeast that are accepting uh, Connecticut's waste today, uh, about 40% of that landfill capacity is likely to, to close by 2026. So we're, we've got a lot of work to do, um, a, a major crisis on our hands if we don't take proactive action um, to scale up new solutions to manage our waste. Now, the Mira facility is one of the factors, but there there are others as well. For example, China is not taking as much of our recyclables as they once did, correct? That's true. Uh, we have seen a lot of changes, wild swings in the commodity prices for recyclable materials. Um, in the past, uh, you know, when China was a market for those recyclables, um, towns were could see getting paid actually for uh, the recyclable material that uh, the residents were were diverting. Um, now that has flipped, um, where uh, as we work hard to grow markets for those materials um, here uh, in the states. Um, the you know the just the management of the recycling stream is is coming at a greater cost. But you know there's some good news on the horizon. I think that's the most important thing that we want to share here today, um, is that there are real solutions that are available to us, including solutions that are more sustainable uh, for our environment and in the long term we think can be more affordable uh, for municipalities and for the citizens of the state. And I'm really excited about the work that uh, Deep has been partnering with many municipalities around the state on over these last couple of months um, to identify the solutions and to to work to uh, implement them. It's kind of remarkable, uh, Aaron, when you look inside the trash can, right? And you, <laughs> you really kind of take a look at what are we throwing away? Um, it's surprising. About 30% of what the average resident um, throws away each year is organic material. So that includes yard waste, um, you know, leaves and, and other material. It includes food scraps. About 20% of your uh, uh, trash uh, that you're disposing is, is, is food waste. Um, it's heavy, it's wet, um, and it could be composted or processed in an anaerobic digester um, in a much more sustainable way. So that's right there, 30% of our waste stream that uh, could be better uh, diverted um, with we have the right kind of organics uh, programs in place across the state. 40%, another 40% of what we throw away are materials that are recyclable, uh, paper, plastic, metal. And so increasing and enhancing our recycling programs is another really common sense measure um, that we can take, again, to minimize the amount of waste that needs to go to a waste energy facility or to a landfill. That's our goal, minimize uh, disposal as much as possible. Hence the formation of the Connecticut Coalition for Sustainable Materials Management. Laura Francis and Matt Knickerbocker are our co-chairs. 
either one of you discuss the challenges related to making sure that the trash gets picked up at a municipal level? Well, in the town of Durham, we don't have municipal uh, trash pickup. We have a transfer station. We here in Durham, and, and we share that transfer station with Middlefield, we're also looking at a crisis, a local crisis, because our transfer station is is very limited in size and the tipping fees are going up because of um, outside you know focuses and we are recycling markets have virtually um, been eliminated so we have a, a local crisis that um, we are so happy that we can partner now with deep to help um, address. Yeah, we're in the uh, same boat, Aaron. Bethel does not have a municipal pickup. Uh, all of our residents who have to have their trash and recycling picked up have to do that by private subscription. But we do also, uh, like Laura, like the town of Durham, we have a, a municipal transfer station. We don't accept commercial loads, however. It's only for what the industry calls mom and pop drop-offs. But again, uh, as has been explained, what used to be a profit center to some degree many years ago, which is recycling materials, has become uh, an enormously costly thing to get rid of. So we're paying to get rid of the municipal waste, and now we're paying to get rid of the recycling. And uh, there's more of it, especially since people have been working from home um, and generating more material. And we, we've reached a tipping point where there has to be uh, more of a global solution. And that's what we're working on today. Since your panel released its recommendations, what has been the, the issue that has received the, the most attention, the, the most questions uh, among members of the panel? From the municipal side, that our municipal leaders are um, a little surprised and pleased to see that there are some very short-term solutions that we can uh, embark upon that will make a difference. You know, we we as uh, chief elected officials uh, of, of small and large and mid-sized towns in Connecticut have such a diverse set of responsibilities that sometimes we're not um, experts in all the areas where we need to be. And so the engagement with our um, municipal officials has resulted in their realizing that there are some things that we could take in an interim way to start reducing the municipal solid waste stream. What are some of those approaches? I'm, I'm thinking in, in particular, there's there's the idea of, of pay as you throw, you know, metered trash disposal as people do with utilities. That's right. So uh, unit-based pricing or pay-as-you-throw uh, is a policy that's been adopted by many municipalities around the country, small uh, small towns, uh, large cities. The city of Worcester, for example, presented our, to our group really compelling. Um, every jurisdiction that's adopted this new way of paying for trash disposal, um, where essentially you give the residents themselves, um, you know, the, the uh, ownership and responsibility of, of paying per per volume um, by how much they uh, uh, trash they generate um, as opposed to just you know having a uniform rate where people aren't incented to reduce their waste right in jurisdictions that have adopted unit based pricing it is uh, remarkable they have seen a 40 uh, 40 percent reduction in the amount of trash that's thrown away overnight 
like immediate reductions and they uh, it stays that way. Um, those reductions are permanent. People recycle more. Um, where, where you have, uh, you know, best practices to uh, roll out an organics or a food, scrap, food scraps collection program alongside unit-based pricing. So people um, uh, get better at diverting their uh, food scraps to um, those programs um, and, and they consume more. They're more attentive to uh, what they're throwing away and the volume of what they're throwing away. And so, you know, when you think about some of the trade-offs, um, you know, increased landfilling or, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars that taxpayers would have to pay to refurbish uh, waste energy facilities, you know, programs like uh, unit-based pricing, uh, which can achieve such a dramatic reduction in disposal, they have to be part of the conversation, but it has to be a conversation because we know that this is, uh, uh, you know, an impactful policy, um, but it, 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 it is something that needs, you know, support and engagement uh, from the individual residents that would be part of making this program successful. And so we're looking forward, you know, in 2021, working with towns. We heard from many of the members of our coalition, uh, municipal leaders who were interested in either working together in regional groups um, to explore and, and implement uh, unit-based pricing programs and engaging, you know, in conversations around a statewide mandate uh, for unit-based pricing as, as a way to, you know, advance these conversations. So that's one that we're looking at. Uh, but there are also a number of other um, approaches that we've been exploring in this coalition. The good news is that there are a lot of different policies uh, you can implement and each one contributes to helping to reduce the overall, you know, amount of disposal. Um, uh, I don't know, you know, one uh, particularly um, uh, includes a, something called extended producer responsibility. Uh, a lot of folks may not have heard of, of that one, but, um, you know, Matt has become the expert. <laughs> he, he led the working group on that one. And I think that's a great one for your listeners to learn about. You're listening yeah. to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Energy and Environmental Protection Commissioner Katie Dykes, joined by Durham First Selectman Laura Francis and Bethel First Selectman Matt Knickerbocker. They are part of the Connecticut Coalition for Sustainable Materials Management. Matt, with the extended producer responsibility program, this is already in place when it comes to things like paint and mattresses, right? That, that is correct. And uh, I'd like to share one brief story that I shared with my colleagues when we started this process. Many years ago, before I entered public service, I was on a business trip in Europe and I watched the consumer in a uh, electronics store buy a TV. And the staff of the store carried the TV out to the uh, gentleman's car. And then they took it out of the box and put it in the back seat and took all the packaging material back in. And that I think is a great illustration of what extended producer responsibility is. It's a, it's a system by which the producers of the product are responsible for at various points along the way, the, the end of life of the product, the packaging, recovery of the product and the packaging. So it can be reused or recycled or disposed of properly. <clears throat> and that's what we've been spending our time on is uh, coming up with the most uh, effective recommendations for our state legislature uh, with regard to EPR programs, uh, because they do require some support from, from lawmakers in order to make them work. But you're right, we have in Connecticut a paint care program, which has been enormously successful. Uh, consumers can bring used paint, you know, partially used uh, paint cans back to their retailer or back to any transfer station that participates. 
The mattress program has been tremendously successful. Uh, we, I see far fewer mattresses on the sides of the roads these days than I did a few years ago. And the electronics recycling program, also saving taxpayers hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in the state by re effectively recovering these products. So what we wanna do is expand this. The United States is, uh, we do have uh, EPR programs in place, but uh, frankly, the rest of the world is ahead of us on that. And it is an extremely effective way to cut down on that waste and pollution. Another proposal that has been recommended is expanding Connecticut's bottle and can redemption law. And this is something that's been on the books for decades, but really hasn't been updated in a while. That's correct, Aaron. And that is one of the recommendations that came out of our increased recycling um, working group. But um, basically all the working groups uh, looked to the bottle bill modernization as a way to not only take some materials that are very costly for municipalities to handle out of the waste stream, but to also create um, better end products so that we can look to strengthen, as the commissioner said, finding some markets for the recycled material so that it can become that profit center again as it was once. Yeah, it's pretty exciting if you look uh, in Beacon Falls. We just had a, a new manufacturer, Urban Mining, um, locate there. Uh, they're going to be taking uh, glass materials from their cycling stream and uh, utilizing that to create new construction materials. Um, so, you know, your old bottle could become uh, part of a bridge uh, going forward. Building those, uh, you know, strengthening our recycling programs um, can mean growing manufacturing, growing jobs, right here in Connecticut, the story from Beacon Falls, you know, really illustrates that. And so it's a great example of how our commitment to environmental state sustainability can provide for lower costs and economic development um, here in our state. Commissioner, it seems like there are a lot of solutions out there, but they have to be scaled up in order to be really effective. What has to happen for that to happen? Well, the first is, you know, working together. And so this Connecticut Coalition for Sustainable Materials Management really reflects, uh, you know, we were sitting here at Deep having some conversations about how are we going to solve this crisis? And I look out and I see, you know, municipal leaders who are um, have an, such an important role to play um, in helping us scale these programs. So we developed a menu of options uh, that was it's up on our website, released in December. It's available for you know every uh, town, every sustainability task force, every uh, municipal official um, to sit down and take a look at this. It, it includes all of the insights, all the recommendations, the the best practices that we learned from experts from. Uh, other you know towns have presented um, throughout the process that we ran this fall. Um, we've got obviously a number of legislative items that uh, if we see bills introduced uh, that that could uh, advance them, I think those uh, will um, gather you know support from many of the members of this initiative. Um, but we're really looking to be a partner with municipalities um, to help support them in terms of any individual actions they might take or actions they might take as a region. One example of that, of uh, just speaking about organics, I mentioned, you know, a third of what we throw away uh, could be composted. Um, we are going to be looking here at Deep to uh, work this year 
um, on an organics infrastructure initiative, um, partnering together with towns that would be interested in hosting a, a commercial composting facility or an anaerobic digester, whether it's on a farm or a commercial scale one, looking to work with towns who'd be interested in piloting a residential food scrap collection program. Um, DEEP has authorities and things that we can provide in terms of uh, contracts for anaerobic digesters or, or um, uh, helping to improve the efficiency of our permitting processes for this type of infrastructure. When we gather together all of those different actions that I just mentioned, we send a powerful signal to investors and developers that Connecticut is a place that we want this infrastructure. Uh, we want it to be accessible for towns all around our state. That's a really important part of the chicken and egg <laughs> challenge um, so that we can have the infrastructure available for organics, which is going to provide a lower cost option uh, of a place to send that organic waste. And again, help to save um, taxpayers money into the future. With that in mind, are you going to be able to ramp things up before the trash incinerator shuts down and, and turns into a transfer station? Or is there going to be kind of a, a bridge period where a lot of the state's trash is going to have to be shipped out of state? You know, we're here at Deep um, looking forward to engaging in more conversations with the Mira leadership team uh, to understand better their plans and, and their goals. Um, I'm optimistic for the future of Mira that many of these uh, programs and, and initiatives that we've been discussing through uh, the Connecticut Coalition for Sustainable Materials Management uh, might be things that can help support uh, the efforts of the Mira board um, and provide services that the Mira uh, participating towns are interested in. But ultimately, uh, we're going to be looking to support um, the board and, and work work with them on their plans for the future of Mira. Now, Laura and Matt, one of the recommendations is creating and promoting recycling at public spaces and municipal buildings. And you go to certain stores and you're able to recycle your, your light bulbs and, and other items in some cases. Is that what could take shape at town and city halls? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm working on an initiative with our school district right now. They have had capture programs to, to grab recyclable items in the schools for uh, quite some time, but we're working on a plan now to separate the food. We want to get ready to do food composting or anaerobic digesting. We're, we're one of the towns that would like to explore that if we can find a way to fund it. And we're going to get the kids to uh, source separate things to make it easier and make those make recycling easier and make those things more valuable on the other end. And there's tremendous opportunities. It, 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 those are sometimes difficult things to do in a big institutional setting but it can uh, really yield some results. I'm also a very, very big fan of unit-based pricing. We instituted that in Bethel about eight years ago, and it has been tremendously successful. And again, we're just a residential drop-off, but boy, it works. Going back to the idea of unit-based pricing, in most cases, is it that someone buys a bag with a municipal sticker or seal or something, and that's how you you meter it. That's one of the ways that you can structure the program. Um, other some municipalities have um, actually utilized uh, different size carts, so you can pay for a larger trash cart. Um, uh, that's another way to kind of reflect back the cost of um, the volume of disposal uh, back to uh, the resident or the person generating that that trash. So um, there's a lot of different ways to do it. 
and uh, it's one of the things that we explored uh, through the process. And it's really important for municipalities as they consider uh, these programs. You know, there's there's different trade-offs with one over the other. Uh, but convenience is a really important factor, and uh, it's important for residents to be part of those discussions. Can people make a difference at a, a micro level if if they're thinking about throwing away food scraps if they were to start a compost pile in their backyard? Could, could that help move the needle if enough, enough people do that? Absolutely. And that is why one of our suggestions is for municipalities to either subsidize and or promote the sale of those um, residential at-home composting equipment. And some towns have done that very, very successfully and actually um, has uh, sparked people to do more gardening and different types of those projects because the product that is generated from that home compost is what they call gold. Another great example, Erin, of something people can do <laughs> um, is learn more about what is what can go in your recycling bin and what can't. Um, I, I don't know if folks are familiar with the term wish cycling, but I have personally been um, guilty of this where, you know, you, you really want to recycle. And sometimes that means we put more things in the recycling bin than uh, are actually recyclable. So taking a moment to go, we have a great tool on the deep website. If you Google what's in, what's out, um, you can even do this as a quiz with your spouse or partner uh, <laughs> um, to check your uh, your knowledge about what goes into the recycle bin. She is Deep Commissioner Katie Dykes, joined by Durham First Selectman Laura Francis and Bethel First Selectman Matt Knickerbocker. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you, Erin. Appreciate you having us on. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Erin Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.